This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Hi, I'm Carmen Pate, your host for today's podcast. Thanks for joining us. You know, Resurrection Sunday is upon us, and our prayer is that every person listening to this podcast would have a fresh encounter with the living Christ. Well, today we want to look back, and we want to consider three groups of people who had their own personal encounters with Jesus. Perhaps we can glean from their experiences as we look to make application for our own lives. And here to help us navigate the scripture is Mark Ray. Mark has a substantial history with Grace School of Theology, including being an original board of trustee member and primary advisor from his earliest days. Well, Mark holds a Master of Biblical Studies from Dallas Theological Seminary, a Master of Divinity from Grace School of Theology, and he has served churches as an associate pastor and also as a lead pastor. Mark has served as COO of a major evangelistic ministry. And we're so excited to announce today that Mark Ray is the new Vice President of Community Development right here at Grace. He will also serve as the Executive Director for the Center for Grace, a new institute to be launched very soon. And we want you to stay tuned because we'll be talking about that uh, on a future program. Mark has a passion for training and discipleship, and we're so blessed to have him serve alongside us here. Mark, welcome back to Saving Grace. Thank you, Carmen. It's a pleasure to be here again. We had opportunity a couple of weeks ago to uh, talk about the cross, the foot of the cross. Very important to our conversation today. Uh, But today we want to talk about that sorrow being turned to celebration Mm -hmm. uh, as as people experience their encounters with the living Christ, the resurrected Christ. As a woman, I love the way Christ elevated women. Uh, he, he did so in a culture that did not elevate women. That's so true. it was so refreshing. Uh, and, and even today for women to look back and to see how much he loved them. He allowed them to have key roles in his ministry, mm-hmm. key roles in his resurrection story. Uh, so talk a little bit about the custom of the day in regard to death and burial and how women were involved and how the women of, of and even in our story today were, were fulfilling what they were supposed to do. Yes. Well, the culture of the day was when a body was prepared for burial, typically there were burial spices that were placed around the body. And what the burial spices really were, they were fragrant spices and they were really used to keep the smell of the decaying body from becoming overpowering. So what you would do is you would take strips of cloth, dip them in the spices, wrap the body, put more spices on, dip them in the cloth, wrap. By the time you were done, done Mm -hmm. properly, there were between 75 and 150 pounds of spices that were placed on the body. Wow. And typically it was the women who did this preparation. Now think about this for a moment. Jesus' body comes down from the cross. It has been bloodied. It has been battered. It has been beaten. And these women are responsible for cleaning him up. Now, granted, Joseph of Arimathea is there yes, because it's his tomb he's going to go into. So they help take him down. But these women are responsible for the preparation of the body. The difficulty with it is it's right before sundown. 
So they hastily prepare the body, knowing that at some point in time, they're going to have to go back and complete the burial process, which is add more spices, add more, add more of these strippings. So their responsibility was to come down and prepare the body and then wrap the body, uh-huh. almost entomb the body. Now, this was not for... Um, it wasn't for the purpose of embalming, but it was for the purpose of the smell Just, yeah, of a decaying body. Makes sense. Yes. So, so what you get is the women who love Jesus having to toil over, to mm-hmm. work over a body that was almost disfigured, almost marred beyond recognition because of the abuse he had taken. And so you get Mary and you get all the rest of them that are there. And they loved him. And they loved him. Oh, my goodness. And so here he is. And and, and think about it from this standpoint. Here he is, the son of God who has died. Mm. So the one who has been proclaiming I'm the son of God now has died. The, the, The confusion in their brains about this is the son of God. God can't die. So if he's the son of God, how can he die? And yet we're preparing him appropriately, Jewish tradition, we're preparing him for burial. The the weight of this expression on these women had to have been, what in the world is going on in the midst of their uh, their distress, in the midst of their their anguish over the fact that their beloved one has died? It's so important for us, I think, to look back at just the the human element in all of this, Uh, because we, yeah, it really gives you that perspective that's uh, that, that you can really take that into your own heart and recognize what they experienced. My, it, it, you know, even then, then the way they responded uh, when they determined that the tomb was empty. There they go the next morning. The tomb is the tomb is empty. They're perplexed. I mean, like what has happened to the body? Where what they do with our Savior? Uh, I, I love that God sent them. Comfort. Can you give yes. us give us a little bit of? Well, so let me take a, a, a backup yes, just a moment. Yes. So they're coming to the tomb. Right. They're coming to the tomb to finish the burial process. And what runs through their mind is the way the tomb has been prepared: a large stone, guards, seals, all yes. of this. That if you disturb any of this or break any of this, it's penalty of death mm. by Rome and by the Jews because you've now. You've now disturbed what they have deemed to be, it's under our protection and guard. Okay. So they come down and they're wondering, how do we roll the stone away? They're wondering, how do we take care of this? They're wondering all of that, which when they come to the tomb, and there's been some speculation. I love this speculation. They're women. They're emotional. They went to the wrong place. (laughs) Excuse me? Uh Um, just you, you expand the, the boundaries of, of hilarity when you mm-hmm. think that these women who loved him, who knew exactly uh, where he was, and all they had to do is go ask Joseph, who's in town, well, where's course. your tomb? They go to the right tomb. Mm-hmm. They find the stone rolled away. It moves them from wondering what they're going to do to wonderment yeah. about the stones rolled away. The body's not here. And what God does is he sends them two angels. Two men dressed in white that bring them this comfort. And really, it's it's a funny statement. It's almost like, why are you looking for him? He, he told you. Yeah, he told you. He told you. you a number of times. He's not going to be here. He is not here. And we get this fantastic statement that for 2,000 years, the church has reiterated, he's not here. He is risen. Yes, yes. And these women, by the way, culturally, the least credible source of fact because they were women, because they were women, are given the first 
Easter answer. He is risen. He's not here. See where they laid the body? He's gone. He is risen just as he said he would. Yes. They move to the wonder. And sometimes you have to ask yourself the question, have we become so jaded because we know the story? Mm. We celebrate the story every year, but have yes. we become so jaded to lose the wonder oh. of the empty tomb? Yes. The body is not there. As prophecy predicted, as Jesus predicted, he's gone. He's risen. Mm -hmm. And God gives them an angelic messenger, two of yes. them in this particular uh, case, two of them that tell them, don't worry. Yeah. He's done exactly as he said he would, and he's yeah. not here. And I think it's interesting, too. There's no, no indication in Scripture that these women stopped believing when Christ died on the cross. No, 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 no. They, like you say, they were confused about the circumstances and wondered about what was happening, but it never says they stopped believing or rejected him. or uh, so, so I just love God and his graciousness and saying, you know what? I want them to know. <laughs> well, and, and I think that's a reward yeah. for faithfulness. Yes. I yes. think there is this reward that even though we don't understand, yes. and maybe this is an application for us today, even though we don't understand everything that God does, mm. that is a faith builder. Mm -hmm. Because there are things that God's going to do that we're yes. not privy to and we shouldn't be privy to. Yes. Because he's God. Yes. But we have a good and loving God. And the resurrection is the case in point of God's love for us through his son, Jesus Christ, that yeah. we can't explain. We don't know. We don't understand. We can't do it. But these women went, amen. Mm -hmm. He's done what he said he would do. He did what he said he would do. Amen. Well, Luke 24, 8 says, and they remembered his words. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, he told us that. Uh, but, you know, I wonder in our own anxieties and circumstances of life, uh, you know, couldn't we be relieved if only we would remember God's promises? You know, the funny part about that, Carmen, is that it's one of the works of the Holy Spirit. Yes. To bring to mind the things that Jesus said. Mm -hmm. And you not only see with the women, but you see with the disciples. You see with a number of people in the after occurrence of the resurrection, those 40 days that Jesus is there before he ascends, how yes. many people go, and the Holy Spirit brought to remembrance. They uh -huh. remembered the words of Jesus. They remembered what he had to say. Mm -hmm. It's, and, and I think your point's exactly correct. When do we ever take the time to stop in the midst of our busy days to say, when we question God, when we question things going on, to stop yes. and say, wait a minute, he's already told me. Yeah. I love you. I'm a good God. Mm -hmm. I only have your best. I will never leave you or forsake you. We have a tendency to just, well, God, my circumstances show you don't care about me. You don't love me. No. Here was a situation in which their beloved had died and they came down to, to continue to be faithful. And you're right. They continue to believe and God rewards that faithfulness mm -hmm. with comfort, with assurance, and very shortly with yeah. the presence of the resurrected Christ. Yes. And he, and he does us as well. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Wow. Well, you know, I mentioned how Christ elevated women in his day. This was really unusual and, and welcomed uh, as he, because they, they weren't typically, typically elevated in that culture. So we really probably shouldn't be surprised that when they go back to tell others, the tomb is empty, he is risen, they really weren't received in the way that they thought that they would be, were they? Well, you know, I, I, I love the disciples 
they're knuckleheads just like me. <laughs> they really are. Um, and, and many times what God has to do is hit you over the head <sighs> to get you to say, to see him, to recognize him in your midst. So here comes these women back from the tomb saying he's raised from the dead. And you can just hear the disciples thinking they're women, they're emotional, they're, they're they're dramatic. They're, you know, all of those statements that you could just see from the culture of the day, they're a non-credible source. This can't possibly be true. Uh-huh. And yet their belief is the benchmark. They believed. Yeah. They saw the empty tomb and they believed. And only Peter really, well, Peter and John, they, they don't want to take the women's word for it. Yeah. Notice that no other disciple jumps up to run down to the tomb. The two of them do yes. at the women's word. Great yes. for Peter and John, but I think it's more Peter and John saying, we're not sure we believe it. we got to see it for ourselves. See it for ourselves. We came from yeah. Missouri. We can yeah. show, me state, show me what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, well, and I love the fact that uh, John makes sure in his writings that he mentions that he got there first. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the beloved. The, I, I outran Peter. That's yeah. right. <laughs> oh, well, you mentioned Peter. Uh it would be remiss if we didn't stop and, and, and talk this moment about Peter. The last time Peter saw Christ was when he had betrayed him, mm-hmm. when he had betrayed him three times uh, before the rooster crowed. Right. And Christ looked him in the eye, we believe, from Scripture. And uh, So what do you think was on his mind? Now, he's running back to the t- empty tomb. That has to be going through his mind. No doubt. Um, because it's not only that he betrayed him, but he betrayed him in light of him telling him he would never betray him. Mm, he wouldn't right. leave him. He'd fight yeah. for the death. And yet yeah. when he is challenged mm. by a servant girl, someone who had nothing, yeah. no importance in the story other than to say you were one of his, you were with him. So he's betrayed him as fully as you can betray him yeah. three times, which was prophetic of Christ to say you're going to do this. Right, right. I can't imagine the agony of Peter mm. from Friday night, all day Saturday. Oh. So I, I can't imagine his agony of, I've done this, and I didn't get a chance to tell him. And he, your statement before of sometimes do we just stop and remember what Jesus has already told us? Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus told Peter more than anybody else, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again the third day. Peter never hears it. I'm going to die. No, you're not. <laughs> right. I'm going to be beaten. Die. No, you're not. No, you're not. I, I, I'll die with you. you. This is not going to happen to you. And in Peter's mind, this was the rabbi, the respected one. This was the one that you cannot, he can't die because if he dies, my life is nothing. Yeah. And not only that, but his ministry ends. So Peter, when Jesus dies, the last one betrayed him. And mm-hmm. you got to know that the look from, from Jesus to Peter oh. at that moment just the Piercing. daggers of it. Oh, it just mm. had to have been awful for Peter. Mm. And so he goes into secret, goes into hiding for a number of days. Partly, I think there is this, well, maybe I'm next. But I think the other part of this is just the guilt of what yeah. he did for his Savior. So when he hears from the women, I think there is this, there's this opportunity in Peter. And we see it again in John, the latter part of the Gospel of John, where he actually meets him on the seashore and Jesus gives him three chances to repent of those three opportunities or those three betrayals. Yes. But I think this is Peter thinking, maybe, mm-hmm. just maybe, I get the chance for forgiveness. I get mm-hmm. the chance to tell him I love him. I get the chance to tell him I'm sorry. Yes. 
And that's why he runs as fast as he can run, because there is just for a moment, there's hope. Yes. Which isn't that what we're all looking for? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Because we all let Christ down (laughs) daily. And, 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 and it's to know that, you know what, I can still run into his arms and ask forgiveness. I had had uh, one of my seminary professors years ago that said, the one who brings judgment is also the one who brings forgiveness. So though I've rejected him and there is judgment for that rejection, I have to run to him because in his arms is where I get that forgiveness. And that's just, I I can see that dichotomy in Peter. I want to go do this because I want that forgiveness, but I'm also scared to death because I'm running to see the one. Could it be possible? I mean, all of those emotions. All of those emotions. All of those emotions. Wow. Well, it seems today that we either wonder or question the resurrection details, or we believe and we're in awe, mm-hmm. right, of this wonder and want you know, and just uh, hang on to that truth. We know it's true. But what would you say to those listening today who still doubt? You know, they they hear all the skeptics and the critics, and what would you say to them? That's a great question. Um, And there's several things I would say to anybody who doubts. Number one, this has been the foundation of the faith of this, uh, of Christianity since the resurrection. Um, And Paul says it very simply. Christianity doesn't rise and fall on the scriptures. It doesn't rise and fall on my faith. It doesn't rise and fall on anything other than an empty tomb. If the tomb's not empty, this means nothing. Yes. But there is more documentation and more evidence and more proof of an empty tomb, even through the writings of some of the detractors Mm -hmm. of Christ, Mm -hmm. Jewish writers of the day, even proclaim he was here, he was alive, he he went in the tomb, he came out of the tomb, we saw him resurrected. There is more documentation for the the factual proof of the resurrection than anything else in history. It is off the charts proof. But even more than that is the proof of as a believer in Jesus Christ, I get the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the indwelling mm-hmm. of Christ in me. That's more significant than anything else. And the millions and billions of stories of lives that have been transformed mm-hmm. by the person of Jesus Christ because of the resurrection of Jesus is, is by far the proof. So if you doubt, welcome. Many doubt. Many in fact, doubt. there's even in the gospel accounts, many who doubted even when they saw the resurrected Jesus, they doubted. Mm-hmm. But here's what I would say. Don't sit in your doubt. Mm. Go find an answer. Yes. Go talk to somebody. Go question. God's shoulders are big enough. The truth <laughs> is big enough to give you the answers to those questions. Mm-hmm. So go find the questions. Go find the answers. Don't sit in doubt. It's the worst place to be. Amen. So I, Yeah, good advice. Good advice. There's plenty of places. Plenty. Uh, and people to explain the scriptures if you don't understand, to answer the Questions, if you need archaeological evidence, if you need this or that, there's a lot of... It's all there. It's all there. It's all there. It's all there. Well, the next encounter we read of is with men on the road to Emmaus. Summarize this great story for us. I love it. It, It's a marvelous story. Two guys, they're leaving Jerusalem. They're walking to Emmaus, which is a good day's travel out of Jerusalem. They've been in town. They've no doubt probably went to the trial probably yeah. saw and may have been even hangers on at the, at the crucifixion. And they're leaving town 
seems to us that they were followers of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. They knew him, they were followers, and they're pretty bummed out as they're walking mm -hmm. from Jerusalem to Emmaus. They're, he's died. Yeah. How could now that happen? What, right, what do we do? And so as two men do, they start talking about it. They start discussing it. They start talking about, gee, what happened? What could have happened? What do we do now? What's going on? And Jesus walks up and joins them. And he joins them on, and, and basically asks them this question, what's up? <laughs> you know, right. What are you doing? And they look at him and they basically answer him this way. Where in the world have you been that you don't know what just happened in Jerusalem? Isn't that ironic? You don't know what's happened in Jerusalem. And he's walking with them. The one that the whole story is about is walking next to them. I love the fact that then he takes the Old Testament and shows him himself in the Old Testament. Time and time again, you can go from Genesis 3, you can go all the way through the stories of, uh, of, of Ruth, you can come into the prophets, you can yes. go through David, all the way up, even all the prophetic statements about Jesus and mm. what he did, and he unfolds them for them, mm. still not revealing who he is. Yes. They, they have this wonderful encounter, and they well, why don't you come to dinner with us? Mm. He decides to come to dinner. And then I find it fascinating, Carmen, that at dinner, he takes the bread, he breaks it, he blesses it, and he distributes it. Isn't that symbolic of what he just did at the cross? Absolutely. And the moment he breaks the bread, they recognize they him. They recognize him. They recognize him. The beautiful thing about this story is they go from being this bummed out two guys and mm -hmm. their encounter, personal encounter with Jesus turns them on fire. They mm -hmm. absolutely can't wait to tell somebody <laughs> yes. he's alive, he's risen. Yes. Uh, Again, just compelled. You, uh, absolutely. You, you can't not tell. Absolutely. Uh, what, a, what an awesome experience. And I love, again, Jesus, his heart of compassion. He really met them where they were in their level of understanding at that time, came alongside them and took them where he needed them to be to understand the reality, right? So, so can you imagine if he had yeah. walked up alongside of them and said, hey, I'm Jesus? Yeah, right. Where would their focus have gone? Oh. Yeah, to yes. who Jesus was rather than what Jesus moved them through is let me show you me throughout history uh -huh. to the point that now you begin to see everything in its proper context. Fascinating. Beautiful thing. Yes. Truly. Okay. But we're not left out of this opportunity today, Mark, <laughs> because you mentioned earlier, we have the Holy Spirit in yes. us. So, so how does the Holy Spirit work to help us in that same way? Well, it's one of the, one of the reasons why we we get into the scriptures. Uh -huh. You've talked a number of times about remembrances. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit brings to mind those things that Jesus has said. He unfolds the scriptures. I had an old friend back in Houston that said for years I used to to, to read this passage before I was a believer. He said, I remember the day I had the scriptures out in front of me. I was reading a passage and I was going, I have no idea what this means. I was trying very hard yeah. to determine it. I went that night to a revival. I trusted Christ. I came back in the morning, looked at that scripture, and immediately I understood the scripture. What does the Holy Spirit do? Yes. He interprets the scriptures for us. He opens the mysteries of God yes. for us. He moves us to see Christ in our every day, just like he did the men at Emmaus. He brings the reminders to us of Christ in our midst, the things that Christ has said. It's yes. why we pack ourselves full of those kind of things so yeah. that the Holy Spirit has something to work with in us yes. to point us to Christ. Exactly. I, and that's, I, I, 
in the church, yeah. outside the church, in our workplace, in our families, the Holy Spirit is that power of Christ in Absolutely. the midst of us that opens the door for us to see Christ wherever we need to see Him. Incredible power yes. that He gives us. And, and, and too, again, that, that fact that He doesn't overwhelm us. He understands our mind. He knows what we can handle at this moment. Yes. Uh, he can't tell us everything because we, it would be too much for us. Uh, so he, it's really at the pace that we need to to, to go to, 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 to grasp it. I, I love the, the statement that's been made that God is a gentleman. Mm. He doesn't push. He doesn't intrude. He doesn't interrupt. He doesn't force himself upon us. No. What he does is he comes alongside of us. And as a gentleman, when we acknowledge and we say, oh, I'd really like to see this, he reveals. Uh-huh. It's the beauty of God that he is not because he loves us, because he is a good God, he he could absolutely overwhelm us. Yes, <laughs> and, yes. And we would retain nothing. We wouldn't mm -hmm. understand it. Uh -huh. But he continues as a child moving up through adolescence, moving into adulthood. He continues to train us, to open the door yeah. to us. And he does this by the power of the Spirit who indwells us, who knows what we need when mm. we need it. It's, it's just a beautiful inner oh. working of the Trinity in us. He so. loves us so. He loves us so. Yes. My why do you suppose Christ hid his identity from the men? I, I'll go back to what I said before. I think the reason why he did was that he had he wanted to bring them through the Old Testament to the New and to see okay. to allow him to be seen in the midst of what he had okay. just accomplished at the breaking of the bread. If he had yeah. done that earlier, he short circuits all of that. Gotcha. Okay. They don't see him in the Old Testament. They don't mm -hmm. see all the prophetic work of of Christ in him revealing that, and they don't see him in the midst of the breaking of that bread, his, his resurrected body. All right. Are there lessons that we need to learn from the men of Emmaus? <laughs> you bet. <laughs> Christ, is, Christ is in the middle of all of it. He's in the Old Testament. Yeah. He's in the New Testament. We need to, to recognize him in the midst of, our, of just our daily life because that's mm -hmm. where Christ meets us. He walked alongside of them. And I'll put it this way. How many, how many hours do you go to church? Two, three, four yeah, a week. Right. How many hours are you out in the workplace? Oh. 40, 50, 60, yeah. 70. Where do you think Christ shows up? Mm. If we spend all of our time and we compartmentalize Christ to only our church time, mm. we miss the vast majority oh. of the time where Christ meets us. He met those guys not in the synagogue. No. He met them on the road. And he met them right where they needed to be met. It's his promise to us. I'm with you always. I will meet you where you are, wherever you are. So when I'm in the workplace, I'm in my neighborhood, I'm with my family, it doesn't matter. That's where he resides. The church is one place. But if I compartmentalize myself to that's where I learn about Christ and that's it, mm -hmm. then I miss the vast majority of when Christ wants to come alongside. Oh, good. Good advice. Good advice. That's great. Well, for me, the most surprising response comes from our last group that we'll talk about today, and that's the disciples when they encounter the risen Savior. Now, we read in Luke 24, 37 and 38, that they were terrified and frightened, supposing they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Christ said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? You know, they had lived with him for three years. What, what caused this level of fear? Great question. If you put yourself in the mind of the disciples, yes, they lived with him for three years. But how did he present himself in those three years? 
he came in appearance as a man. Paul yeah, tells us in yeah. Philippians 2. Yeah. He was a man. Yes. Now, yes, he yes. did wonders. Right. And of course, in those wonders, walking on the water, you name it, calming the wind of the waves, what do the disciples do? They fear. They fear. Yeah. But here, Jesus has now, they know he's died. And he now comes back. He is different. He is different in that this is now his resurrected body. And remember, only three of those disciples ever saw him glorified. Mm-hmm. So he comes back, holes in his hands, in his side, and his feet. He comes back, and his question to them is, why do you doubt? The question is not, why do you doubt that I am who, that I am this resurrection, the resurrection occurred. He okay. said, why do you doubt that it's me? Oh, the one there's this difference three days before. Yes. He's a man. Yeah. Now he is the resurrected savior, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the son of God who has done exactly what he said he would do. And the physical marks of that are on him. Mm -hmm. He walks through the door. They're going, yeah, this can't possibly be him. His question is, why do you doubt? Mm -hmm. It's me. See my hands, see my feet. Here's all the proof you need. It's not a doubt of their belief. It's just a doubt that who walked in this door is somebody different than I saw before. So this isn't a crisis of faith for the disciples. As much as it is just a recognition, he walked in the door. Whoa! He walked through the door. (laughs) Right, right. He entered the room and nobody knew it. This is a different Jesus than they knew before. And so his question to them is, why do you doubt that this is me? Yes, it is me. (laughs) Don't be afraid. It is me. Mm. And that's, yes, they knew him for three years, but this is, this is a different Jesus. This is now the resurrected Lord and they've seen, there's a complete, there's a whole new package to Jesus now because Mm -hmm. he is alive. Mm -hmm. He is resurrected. Wow. So I, I, that's what I see is you know, a huge that, difference. And, and, I, and I think a parallel as I think through this, as, as you said that, because I have not looked at it that way, and that's really important. Uh, we, we talked, and maybe it was what's off the air, but about the fact that some still see Jesus in the manger. Mm-hmm. Some still see Jesus as still hanging on the cross. Or in the so, tomb. Or in the tomb. Or So it's important that we see him for who he is today, yes. isn't it? Well, not only who he is today resurrected, mm-hmm. but there's we're going to talk about this in in future podcasts yes. about he because he isn't he isn't just the resurrected Jesus he's now the ascended that's right Jesus that's right those yeah. those carry huge weight to mm-hmm. us because if he's if he's still hanging on the cross yes. he's he's still human right if he's still in the tomb he, that that part of the hypostatic union the God man the man part right. wins out mm-hmm. the God part is. He's resurrected. He's alive. He is here. He yeah. is who he said he was, the yes. resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. Love it. Yeah. Interestingly, when you look, the common thread among all three groups is that they had to be reminded <laughs> of the <laughs> scriptures. Don't we all? Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> exactly. And that was going to be my question. Are we really any different? We have to be reminded, don't we? No. And if you think about it, the women, the two yeah. men on the road to Emmaus, yeah. the disciples, we are no different. We, we are that part of humanity that continually needs to be reminded. Why? Because we get caught up in the day-to-day and we lose sight of Jesus mm-hmm. in the midst of it. Yes. And that, the constant, what I love about the Jewish, our Jewish brothers and sisters, yes, they have yes. feasts, feasts throughout the year that are remembrances of what God has done in their midst so mm-hmm. they never forget. Wow. What I love about what Jesus has done about the scriptures, about celebrating Easter, about communion, we don't ever want to forget. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. these. And so what God has given us is not only the historical record, but he's given us the reminders of what Jesus has done for us and that we are no different. The two men on the road to Emmaus, we're no different yeah. than the women. We're no different than the disciples in that they needed to be reminded. So do we. So and do that we. comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And, you know, in closing, uh, we can see in Scripture that the motivation of the disciples, uh, no doubt the men of the mass, the women, everything changed after encountering the risen Christ. Uh, what does that tell us as believers as we approach Resurrection Sunday? Uh, to have that fresh encounter of the living Christ, what should we be looking for? How do we prepare our hearts? That's a great question. Um, because it is a relationship, when you go visit somebody, how do you prepare for that? Mm. You, you pack a little bit. Yeah. You think about your conversations you might have. You get excited about it. You prepare for coming to see them. You're getting ready to have a personal relationship with somebody who indwells you somebody who went to the cross for you, somebody who you have the historical record. There's a couple things I would recommend. Get some quiet time. Pray. Ask to see him. Ask to really have a new, fresh insight. Read the gospel accounts of the resurrection. Place yourself in the position of the men at the road to Emmaus. Place yourself in the position of the disciples and the women. But more than anything else, this is a personal relationship with Christ that can be deepened, that can be matured, Mm -hmm. that can be grown by the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Yes. So ask for it. Don't you want your relationships with your friends to be deepened? Absolutely. This is is not a difference in that we get that with Jesus, because it is. And it's his desire Mm -hmm. to be deeply intimate with us, to be in that fellowship and relationship. Yes. He's waiting for us to say, I want that. I'd like that. Make herself available. Make herself available. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Wonderful news. Well, thank you, Mark, for helping us today in thank this. Thank you. And thanks to you, our listeners. It's always our prayer that our topics will motivate you, encourage you, encourage you to get into God's Word. Have a desire to grow in your knowledge and your love for Jesus Christ. He loves you so. You know, if you would like to d- learn even more, We have courses here at Grace School of Theology that we'd love for you to check out and uh, gives you an opportunity to expand your biblical knowledge and to deepen your faith. Now, you may have friends or family whom you would love to know more about the love of Christ, His grace that saves them. Well, you know, sharing our podcast is a perfect way to start that conversation. Our podcast is your podcast. We want you to help us with topic ideas. If you have questions about what you've heard today, we'd love to have you send those questions to us, and we'll try to answer those on a future podcast. Send those by email at savinggrace at gsot.edu or tweet us at savinggracecast. We're so glad you tuned in today. Remember that Christ's love can never be earned, but it can never be lost. You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash savinggrace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.